Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, we're on our series called Under Construction, and this is going to be our, our final installment of, you, of it. We've been talking about if this is your North City campus, this will be, I think, week five of this series. If you're Mount Carmel campus, it's going to be week six, because the week that Randy Clark spoke, I actually spoke that night up in Mount Carmel and gave a message that I didn't speak here in North City. So you guys got a little gravy, a little extra up there in Mount Carmel, but it's just a privilege to share what God's put in our heart this morning. So if you've got your worship guides inside them, there should be some sermon notes if you'd like to follow along, or you uh, get on your YouVersion Bible app, and uh, there's some sermon notes available on there as well. Let's get our Bibles out this morning, and let's open them up to Matthew chapter 16. Woo! Matthew 16. Just happy about the Bible, happy about Jesus. How many of you are happy to be in the house of God this morning? Yes. You're watching online. Where are you at? How come you're not here? No, we're great to have the privilege of being able to broadcast and people watch from wherever they are. Truly a privilege to reach people all around the globe from right here in North City. Matthew chapter 16, under construction. I'm going to start reading here in verse 13. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men or who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, well, some said John the Baptist and some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but, but, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that it's alive and working in our hearts. Holy Spirit, come and just speak truth to us. I pray that you speak to me and through me, Lord, that people will not hear me, but they will hear you. They will hear what you're speaking into their hearts. And God, I pray today that every lie will be exposed in our life, and your truth will truly set us free. All the glory goes to you, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Somebody say amen. 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 I've been talking about building the church, and remember we're saying it this way, that you are the church. You, the people, are the church. Talk about three ways that God wants to build the church, three different areas, three different parts to it. Number one, he wants to build the church in you. Individually, it's talking about your ability. So we say build the church in you. That's your, your ability, what's, what's something inside of you. Wants to build the church with you, with me. That talks about availability, like we're making ourselves available to use the abilities that God has given us. And then when we do that, we can build the church beyond you, bigger than you, something, something bigger than we've even experienced on our own. So those are three parts that we've been breaking down. And, and today in our talk, as we close this series out, I'm going to be focusing on how God builds the church in us and how that works in a practical sense. And when we say building the church in us, we're like, you know, is he building a building inside? Is there a steeple in there? No, it's like building his kingdom or his way of doing things. And we're going to talk about what that means. The word build itself means to make or construct by combining materials or parts, 
to build up, to strengthen, or establish. So when we say build my church, notice he's not saying he's building a building or organization. When he says building the church, he's not building an organization, but he's building up the individual members or believers or followers of Jesus. When we say build the church, it's not just build an organization, but actually literally building the individual members of that body. And this is what he's talking about here in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, it says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Look at your neighbor and say, you're different. So, so we being many are one, get focused back on the message, okay, that you just trailed off. So, but many, many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we see in these verses that there are many members to the body of Christ, but only one body, many members one body. Many members of this church, two services in North City, a, a service in, in Mount Carmel, two different locations, many members, but one body. Many churches around the world, many, many bodies, individual churches, but only one body of Christ. So there's many members, but only one body. But the key part about this, he said, and every one of those members does not have the same function. There's both an individual aspect to church and there's a group aspect to church. There's a church where we're talking about all of us and then there's a church where we're talking about you. So there's the crowd aspect of church and there's the individual crew member aspect of church. So there's things we're talking about when we're talking about building the church and the emphasis today is on not just building something that you attend, but building something in you, who you really are, your individual relationship with God. This is why we get on the dream team, and this is why we get involved in a connect group at the church, because what is in us connects with others, and then once we get connected, then we can build something beyond all of us. So this is why you want to plug in and serve on the dream team. This is why next week when we have connect groups, you want to jump in and be involved in that, because you're taking what's in you and connecting with others and that's what's making help build the body of Christ. This is why we do that. This is why we're serving something big enough, bigger than us. So the question is this. Is he building a body or is he building individuals? Yes. He's building both. He's building both. So does a strong body build strong members or do strong members build a strong body? Yes. Yes, both of those are true. Building the church, the body, requires building and strengthening the individual members' functions. So he said, we have many, many members, but one body, and not all the members have the same function. You and I don't have the same function. No matter what it is, you, you have different function. So I was drawing this out as I was preparing this, and I drew this little, little picture. Now, I'm not a graphic designer. So I apologize for the simplicity, but I, I made this into a slide. If you bring this slide up, this is what we're talking about. There's many members, but only one body. And here's what I want to show you in picture form, your value, my value, to building the church that Jesus wants to build. So how it works, how the progression is, that the individual members, when they find out what's in them, 
and they build and strengthen their individual function, your assignment, what you're supposed to do. When you build and strengthen your individual function and you make that available and get connected with others, then now the body is strengthened and now it can begin to build something beyond that and now it can build and strengthen more individual members. So notice the progression. Individual members find out what's in them. They build and strengthen what's in them. They connect with others, makes a stronger church body. And now a stronger church body that can do something beyond them and they can build and strengthen more individual members. And then those individual members can get connected into the church and they can build and strengthen their individual function. And then they get connected and that makes the body even stronger. And now the body that's even stronger can reach more people and touch even farther. And that gets more people drawn to Jesus. And now those individual members can get, do you know what I'm saying? But the problem in churches is the opposite is also true. It can work in a negative. And I'm going to tell you, this is why we don't want to be this type of church, because this is what happens. I'll give you a picture of how a church dies. This is exactly what happens. I've been in church a long time. I've been leading in church life for a long time, and I've seen it. I've seen it happen over and over again. So here's a telltale sign a church is dying, even if it doesn't know it yet. Here's what happened. Individual members stop being built and strengthened in their own individual function and they stop being connected with the body. So the body gets weaker and now the the weaker body cannot attract any more individual members and so those individual members that are left get wore out and tired and they stop serving in their function and so that causes the body to be even weaker And then that body now can reach even fewer individual members. And then the members that are still left are so burnt out they don't want to do anything. And now the church starts to be filled with people that just want to attend. Want to show up, preach me a sermon preacher, and I'll see you next week. And that church is so weak that it doesn't reach out to anybody anymore. No new people are coming to that church. But they're coming out of obligation because it's the only place they've ever known. And so they keep coming, but nobody's serving. Nobody's strengthening the body. And so what happens, that church stays in that downward spiral until it completely dies off. What kind of church do you want to be? It's a, this, the function, the strength of the church is directly tied to the function of the individual members. It's not about an organization outside of you. It's you inside the organization making it stronger. When you bring your function, when you bring your gifts and you serve and you say, hey, God has something for me to do, that's what strengthens the body. Now the body can reach more people and it builds momentum. People catch wind of it and they're like, man, I want to go there. They're reaching people. They're touching people. They're plugging people in. Yeah, it's because you're there. It's not because something happened outside of you. So we got to realize this is how it works. John F. Kennedy said it best this way when he said, My fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. It's not what can the church do for us, but what can we do for the church? It's not I'm going to come, and as long as you're there for my funerals and my weddings, and when I'm in the hospital... That's all I want you for, and preach me a good sermon. Keep me awake. So then the church is there to serve us, and we forget we're here to serve the church. 
Because in our life, we can erroneously think, and man, this is a dangerous place for us to get. We can erroneously begin to think that God exists for us. This is why we pray prayers like this. Father, just bless me. Help me have a good day today. Help me have a good day at school. Um, yeah, uh, just bless me, you know. Um, wow, that's long prayer time. Just thank you, Lord, for all the good things you're doing for me. And uh, I mean, I get caught speeding on the way to work today. And uh, we can think, we can have fun with that. But it's the reality, we begin to think that God exists for us. Bless me, help me, do for me. And we forget we're here for him. We're here to serve him. Instead of praying, God, what do you want me to do today? How can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I bless you? This is how God wants us to live. But we've got to watch the model. We've got to watch how church has been uh, built up in our minds. So here's the question we've got. If, that, if that's true, that graph is true, members getting in their function, serving, strengthens the body. The body strengthened in its function now can reach more members. Here's the question you got to ask yourself. You ready? you gotta, you got to answer this. You ready for this? It's going to hit you, but so you got to answer it online. Listen, head up, up. so here's the question. What would the body be like? How strong would the body be like if everybody served like you serve? Sometimes silence is powerful. As we reflect and think, what would church be like if everybody served like you did? Would we even have a worship team? Would we even have a children's ministry? Would we have words on the screens? Would we have someone back there with the sound working the microphones? Would we, be, would we have anybody doing coffee and donuts? Would we have anybody out in the parking lot, anybody at the doors greeting you? If everybody served like you, how strong would the body be? A little convicting, but I think it's encouraging because you got to realize your value. If everybody gave like you gave, how strong would the body be? Here's what God's wanting to do. He's wanting to mature us where we go from consumer to contributor. Maturity in our walk with Jesus is not what can you do for me. Maturity is when I look at you and I say, what can I do for you? If we want to grow up out of our problems, we stop looking at other people to fix our life, and we look for opportunities to be a blessing to others. If, I, if everybody gave like you gave, how, how, reach, how much would the church be able to reach? Would we be able to have something online? Are you just a consumer or are you a contributor? This, we're building the kingdom on the inside of us because we want it to go outside of us and touch other people. And this is what God's challenging with us. We want to build something in, individual members, building up our abilities, building our functions, strengthening our functions. Now, when I say building our function, don't hear this. Most of the time when we think about building your abilities, we think about just function like something you do. But it's not just something you do, but it's someone you are. You, you're not just a task, you're a person. This is why you're important in the church. It's not like you can say, well, hey, somebody else can stand at the door and hand out worship guides. Somebody, yeah, somebody else can do that task, but they can't do it like you. Somebody else can take care of the kids. Somebody else can do this. Somebody else can get, stand out there and park cars. Somebody, yeah, anybody can do a task, but nobody can be you. Nobody can do. People can do a function, but they can't do your function. 
You can do a function and still not do your function. You got to do it like you. You got to bring your personality to it. You got to bring your experience to it. You got to bring your way of doing things. So when we're talking about everyone finding their place and their function, it's not just so that all the tasks are checked. It's who are you? Who are you? What do you bring to the donuts that somebody else can't bring? I'm not talking about sprinkles. I'm talking about you bring a story. What can you bring to the door that other people can't bring? What can you bring to children's ministry that other people? What can you bring? It's, we got to realize it's not just about a function. It's who we are as people. God needs you. He doesn't need you for a task. He needs you as a person. Understand the value of who you are. God's inviting you to get involved in building the church. Why? Because you are somebody. It's not just sign up, fill out a No, we're not building the church on tasks. We're building the church on people. Finding their purpose, finding their place. So this is what God's speaking into our hearts. So now, when we're first born, we all have these natural abilities. So we talk about that. We, when we're first born, we all have natural physical abilities. We have natural mental abilities, but they all have to be developed. How many of your parents, you remember your first kid? That first baby, just a few months old, and you're waiting for them to start doing certain things. And it, it depends. Everybody develops at different rates and different speeds. You know, some of my kids walked, like one of my kids walked at like nine months and one is like 14 months. You know, the one that's walking we're, we're like 14 months or so, we're like, are they ever going to walk? You know, you, sometimes we get antsy about that. But you remember the first time they, they just rolled over. You're like, they rolled over. Isn't that awesome? Well, they had the physical ability to roll over, but they had to develop it. You know, those times where they'd get hung and they'd flail that one leg around, you know? So there's physical abilities that we have to develop. And that same, you know, same physical ability comes in handy when you get older and you're married with your spouse and they're snoring, you're trying to get them to roll over. It's the same physical ability, but you don't get the same response out of it, you know? But it's, we've got these physical abilities, but we also got to understand, with, we understand physical development, but spiritual development is also important. Because when we're born again, when you get born again, you become a follower of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us that if anyone be in Christ, behold, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Here's what creation means. It means something exists that never existed before. So when you get born again, your spirit is something brand new that you've never seen before. Now we trip on this because our, our mind, our soul is still the same and our physical bodies are still the same. So we don't understand that we now have access to a new way of living on the inside of us. That new way of living has always been there, but now when we get born again, we have access. Let me give you an example this way. My oldest daughter... Uh, plays college volleyball, and we found out this year that her team's games are not going to be on the regular uh, free network that they were on last year. Now they're all on ESPN Plus, which is great, except you got to pay for ESPN Plus. It's a subscription, of course, a monthly subscription. Everybody wants a monthly subscription, don't they? So anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this. Do I pay for the monthly subscription? I want to see my daughter play. Okay. So, I'll, so we sign up for it. And I realize they give me a login, a password. And now I can log in. Now I can access all this stuff that was available all along. It was being played. Things were on there. But I never saw them because I didn't have access. Whenever we get born again, we get a Holy Spirit login. 
When we get born again, we get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we have access to a whole world that existed, but we didn't know about it. All this was out there available. A whole different way of viewing life is available. But now we get Holy Spirit login capabilities. And this is where we're talking about God wants to build his kingdom in us. Now we have access to it. But how many knows when she's playing, if I don't enter the login and access it, she can be playing and I still not watch it. You can have Holy Spirit access to a different way of life, but if you don't access it, you're not going to benefit from it. So we got to see how to do that. Let's talk about how we build this kingdom, how we build it on the inside of us. When we say building our abilities, building our spiritual abilities or our natural abilities, a lot of times people think about their talents. But what if I say this to you? What if I say God wants to build our abilities to be able to deal or handle with things? To deal with things or handle things. When I say God wants to build the abilities on the inside of you, what if, he's, what if I said he wants to build different abilities than just your talent? Our abilities are built and strengthened not in the absence of resistance but by overcoming them. Important for us to get it. Our abilities, you're my abilities that God wants to build in our life. They're not built by the absence of adversity or opposition. They're built by overcoming the presence of it. Let me give you some examples. If someone say, hey, they have a tremendous ability to handle pressure, stress, adversity, or discouragement, depression, or anxiety, that's not built or strengthened by the absence of it, but how they handle the presence of it. You say, man, they have a tremendous ability to handle pressure. How do you know? Because they had pressure and they overcame. We want to build abilities by not having any problems. We want, to build our, we want to build and strengthen our abilities to handle stress with no stress. I want to build my ability to forgive and love people without ever being wronged or done. I want, I've got a tremendous ability to forgive. What does that mean? That means you've been jacked up. Who's, who wants to live real with me? If I want the ability to forgive people, get ready. Get ready. That means you're going to have the, the opportunity to be totally wronged, and you overcome that. You overcome the presence of it. You resist it, and you walk in love. That builds the ability to walk in forgiveness. You can't build the ability to walk in forgiveness without being wronged. Can't do it. But we want it. We, we want to live that way. You can't build the ability to love your spouse unconditionally without the presence of their imperfect behavior. I just want to walk in unconditional love. <laughs> Great, then get ready for conditional behavior. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I can't walk in the ability, I can't build or strengthen the ability to walk in unconditional love for my spouse without the opportunity for me to have to overcome resistance to that unconditional love. I'm talking about building the kingdom on the inside of you. And let's not looking to get out of problems. Let's look that those problems are building something on the inside of us. How, how, the ability to persevere is not built or developed in a state of comfort, but by continuing in the face of adversity. Hey, I, I tell you what, they've got a tremendous ability just to keep on going. The ability to persevere. How do you know that? Because they keep getting slapped in the face. Life keeps punching them in the gut, and they're still here. 
this bad thing happened, that bad thing happened, this bad thing happened, and they're still in church praising God. Man, I'd think they would give up on God. I figured they'd be out of church. If half the things that happened to them happened to me, man, I wouldn't be serving God. What's happening? God's building abilities in us by what we overcome, not by what we avoid. I'm not trying to avoid issues. What if, what if the things that you thought were trying to destroy you were actually building strength on the inside of you? Man, a devil come trying to destroy me. Well, all he's doing is giving you a workout. Every time we see adversity come, we got to look at it as an opportunity to get stronger. Look at it as an opportunity to overcome. This is why we're building on the inside of us. Look what he says. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. That word prevail means to overcome by superior force overpower, defeat because of greater strength. He says the gates of Hades will not prevail. It does not mean that the gates of hell will not have any force, that the gates of Hades will not have any power or strength. It does not mean that they will not have any force at all, but they will not have superior force. They will not have greater strength, and they will not overpower us. We're not looking for the absence of adversity to get stronger. We're looking to overcome the presence of adversity to get stronger. We're building something on the inside of us, not because we don't have any problems. It's because God carries us through problems. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And if God's with me, then who can be against me? The greater one is on the inside of you. Look at your neighbor and say, you're getting stronger. You're getting stronger. You're not getting defeated. You're getting stronger. You're like, I'm tired of this workout. I need to move on. I get it. I feel you. There's times I'm like, yo, yo Lord, can we stop this workout? I'm a little, a little tired. But God's building something on the inside of you. He's building abilities on the inside of you that you will not have without adversity. You won't have them. You won't have the ability to love people without people that you don't want to love. I just got a tremendous ability to love people. Well, everybody that's nice to me and does what I want them to do, that's what. That's, that's not an ability to love. The ability to love is when you hang around stinkers. Man, I just build my tremendous ability to love. That includes you. That includes you. I love you. What is it? God's building something in you. It's like you can build patience in you. You know, how, how are you going to build patience in you? Lord, just build and develop patience in me. Okay, get ready. Get ready. I got a tremendous story about how I did not successfully do well in patience, but I don't have time for that story this service either, but I've, it's a great story. Sometime I'm going to give it, maybe tonight. So now we look at this. Look at verse 19. He says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So look at, he's got the gates of Hades and the kingdom of heaven. So there are two spiritual kingdoms mentioned in this passage at work trying to build abilities in you. Two kingdoms trying to build their abilities in you. We've got the gates of Hades, which represents the power of death, the kingdom of darkness. We've got the kingdom of heaven, which represents God's way of doing things. Two different kingdoms, two different systems, two different ways to respond. The same thing happened. There's two choices on how you respond. The same person says something to you as they just say something else. The same things happens to this person and happens to you. How we respond determines what's built on the inside of us. The kingdom we cooperate with is the one who's successful building in us. 
If I respond out of my temper, then I'm going to cooperate with that kingdom and I'm going to build the fruit of that kingdom. Notice what it says. Let's go and look at the next part. How do we build this? He says we give them the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The keys. The word keys means a device used to lock or unlock a locking mechanism. It's a symbol of power or authority, permitting or preventing access. So notice what it says here. I will give you the keys. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of what? Go ahead and participate if you would. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of? All right, one more time. You're warming up. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of? Kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm going to maybe correct something, but not because I'm hating on it or not because I'm whatever, but just God just highlighted this to me and uh, this week, and so I'm just going to re-emphasize to you what he's teaching to me. We, we used to be, if you've been around here, we used to sing a song, and again, I'm not hating on this song or saying it's anti-God, I'm just using it as a point. We used to sing this song in church that I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Took back, you know what I'm talking about if you heard that song. So when I was reading this, he said, hey, Chad, where are the keys? Where are the keys to? I said, where are the keys to the kingdom of heaven? He said, notice it's not the keys to the kingdom of hell. I didn't give you keys to the kingdom of hell. I give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. And I'm a little slow. He said, you know sometimes when you used to say, I'm going to go get back what the devil stole from me? I'm going to go into his land and possess that, that the gates of hell, man, that's a protective place, and they can't stop us. We're going in there, and we're possessing what the enemy has. He said, I didn't give you any keys to the kingdom of hell. I gave you keys to the kingdom of heaven. The devil has nothing that you want. You're not, trying to, you're not trying to possess anything that he has. Jesus already went in and got all authority, took everything that mankind could not have. Jesus already purchased that. He already set us free. When Jesus hung on the cross, he paid the price for all sin, for all sickness, for all disease. He paid that price already. He said, I've already done it. So I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I'm saying, okay, God, so what are you trying to say? He said, here's, here's the problem. People are thinking they got to go into where the devil is to get freedom. He said, but I give you keys to the kingdom of heaven, and those keys are the truths of my word. John 8 says this. John 8, verse 31, I believe it is. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, the Bible, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. And then, verse 32, and it goes on to say, and you shall know the truth. The truth's what? The truth is my word. You will know the truth. Not heard the truth. Not hear the truth once in a while. Not said in a few sermons. You will know the truth, and that truth that you know will make you free. I'm like, okay, Lord, I've preached that verse a lot and pretty familiar. He said, no, no, no. Here's what you got to understand. The truth of my word is your key to unlock every gate where the enemy's trying to hold you captive. It's not something over there I got to go into. It's where the enemy tries to build up gates around me with my thoughts and tries to hold me back from going where he wants, where God wants me to go. 
So the keys are the scriptures, the promises of God, that if I will apply those keys, then those truths will unlock the lies that the devil is trying to hold me back. Let me give you an example. I've been, I've started out this series of talking about a pretty tough time I've been going through, and it's amazing. And the only reason I say this is not because I'm a narcissist or I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. It's, it's because sometimes I feel like relating and being transparent helps you realize that not everybody's got their life together. Because there'd be times that I would preach, just give it everything I have, and I would go home and I'd be like, I don't know if I'm any good at all. Am I even doing what you want me to do? Is, it, is this, as my time run out here? You know, are people just not listening to me anymore? You know, what's going on? I, would, I had these internal issues really struggling with. You wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it. I was, I was a master at, at keeping it to myself. But these thoughts were tormenting all the time. And so I, I didn't know what was happening. And, and God began to give me some keys. And, and I'll, I'll tell you how it works. But last Sunday, after first service, a lady that's only been going here a few weeks, she, she came up to me. She said, hey, Chad, come here. I, I want you to meet so-and-so. And, and, and we were just talking to this other guy. And we were telling him about you. And we were telling him about your personality and, and, and how you are and this air about you and the way you carry yourself. And, man, we just, we just told him, you got to meet him. And she was saying all this in a really complimentary way. And I'm like, well, that's really nice of you to say. And, you know, I didn't think much about it. You know, I just tried, tried to have the conversation. And I came in for worship in the second service. And as I was standing there, God reminded me what she said. And he took me back about 12 years ago. Those exact words, almost word for word, were used by someone to say and prove why I was a prideful person. So when you're a prideful person, just the way you carry yourself, the air about you, just the way that you act, always trying to joke around all the time, think everything's funny, just your presence, just you're a very prideful person. And I didn't realize what those words did. I didn't realize that from that moment I thought, oh, okay, so this is the way I am, and that is prideful. So I got to change who I am. So it's almost subconsciously, it wasn't even things I knew. God's, he's giving me keys to unlock some of the gates that have been holding me back. He said, Chad, you started to mold yourself and just say, you know what? I'll just become a little more vanilla. I'll calm down a little bit. I won't be so expressive. I won't be so intense. I won't be so much in people's face because maybe people like a little calmer, more general preacher. And I'll just, I didn't know it. I didn't, know, I didn't know what was happening, but I was losing myself trying to please others. And so this people-pleasing thing was coming into my life that I didn't even know. I didn't know what was happening, and it was robbing me of my joy of me because I wasn't me. I was trying to be this other person that I thought other people would like because I don't want to be like that because if I'm like that, then I'm prideful. And Jesus was saying, Chad, listen, the truth is I made you the way I made you, and some of the way that you are some people's not going to like it. When you're truly who you are, some people, it's going to repel them. Are you okay with that? And I was like, no. I don't want to repel anybody. So God, how can I be so that I can attract everybody? He said, that's the problem. He said, if you want to attract everybody, you cannot be you. You pick. So what that lady didn't even know is a key 
the truth that I realized, okay, Lord, this gate that was there of performance and people pleasing, I want out. I want out. I want to be who you created me to be. I want to do it the way, I want to do my function. There's other types of preachers, all types of preachers, and other people were saying, it was a perfect storm of a bunch of things coming together at once, and this other, other pastor saying critical things about me, and how, how the services flow, and how controlling I am, and blah, blah, blah. It was like, ah! So I had to realize, God, you want to unlock us. So I want to encourage somebody that's dealing with the same thing. Your gates up here, or the enemies tried to tell you something that's not true. We're not trying to steal anything back from the devil. We're trying to unlock the truths of God's word. God's word. And when you unlock a truth, all his lies start to fall apart. See, the lies build a stronghold in our life and it becomes a fortified place. And one, the one that we believe, the kingdom that we believe, when I believe what the gates of Hades say, then I'd be controlled by the gates of Hades. But when I believe what the kingdom of heaven says, it sets me free from the lies of the enemy. It's not that I gotta knock down the lies, I gotta unlock the truth. And when I unlock the truth, the lie dissolves. So freedom is not where we get the devil to stop. We get the truth to come. And we choose which one we believe. So now, I'm choosing to believe that I can still be me and not be prideful. Some people are still going to think it's prideful. For some people, it's going to be too much. They're going to be, okay, you're a little bit too much for me. You're a little too expressive. You're a little too whatever. But that's okay. You be you. I'll be me. I want to help you get set free from the gates of Hades that have tortured some of you in thinking you cannot be who God's created you to be. There's a truth that's going to set you free. There's a truth. There's lies that said, this is what I'm stuck with. I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never going to be any better. That's a lie. When we get the truth of God's word, he's going to start unlocking that and saying, hey, the devil's, that's, that didn't come from me. When that person said that to you, then that didn't come from me. When that person did that to you, that didn't come from me. And you start unlocking all these gates and you find out God wants you to live free. I didn't say problem free. I'm still going to have adversities, but now I understand that my freedom is not in the absence, but all this stuff that I've been walking through, God's showing me now how much stronger it's making me. So Chad, you're going to be strong on the other side. What do you need to be stronger in that you need to overcome right now? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.